Revealing truth by exposing lies. What does that mean? That means that on this podcast, we're going to talk about a variety of subjects, but we have an intention in mind, and that is to move beyond political ideology, religious dogmatism, tribalism, and nationalism, even beyond personal opinion, beyond false authorities that so many people don't even question, and taking you, the audience, someplace that you may not be quite ready to go, to that place beyond us and them. This is Two Dimwits. We are two political idiots who want to discuss politics and religion. Dwight Hignite on the left, Mark Matthews on the right. Thank you for joining us as we find common ground between the far left and the far right. All right, here we are sitting at the Siloam Springs Library. Wonderful uh, place. It's This used to be a hospital here. Yeah, it did till they tore it down about... Bad vibes. Yeah, the hospital thing. I would prefer not to even think about it. But this is, <laughs> yeah. This is a nice uh, facility, though, and they're beautiful. It's really nice, and we've got this little space here. We were able to get like a conference room. I guess they call it a reading room. Yeah, reading room. It's for free. I like that. It's yeah, not income yeah. based. Well, that's the way a library should be, right? Yeah, and you know, it's one of the few things in our society that's done properly. What, yes. I mean, nobody complains about the library. I mean, you, you don't have political views about that damn library That's is, right. you know, catering to the wrong people. That's right. No, it's like pluralism is accepted at the library, but mm-hmm. nowhere else. Why is that? That's, that's kind of strange. I, I, that's a good question. Of course, it was started by a wealthy capitalist, uh, the idea of a library, Andrew Carnegie, uh, but... I think he wisened up as he got older and realized that, uh, you know, he caused a lot of harm through his greed. So he tried to pay back. Yes. You know, well, he was a he was one of the original philanthropists, as they called him. He he was. He was. It's too bad we don't have more of that. He wrote the book uh, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's a, Have you read it? No, that's Dale Carnegie. Oh, OK. Um, you're talking about we're talking about Andrew Carnegie. All uh, right. The uh, the gospel of wealth is what he wrote back in the late 19th century. I don't know how I got those confused. I guess I always confuse them. They may be related. Who who, who knows? They have to be. Yeah. yeah. But see, that's why, uh, Dwight, that's why you're on the show, mm. is because you're smarter than I am. <laughs> I don't think so. And you're going to be able to correct my, uh, you know, I need somebody to fact check me. Yeah, I need somebody to fact check me as well. So. Well, the good thing is we set the bar really low. Yeah, yeah. the name is Dimwit, so we, you know, yeah. we don't Dimwit. have Oh. We don't have too much to live up to on that. So. Yeah. Have you ever um, played around with Google's voice thing where it's like, you know, you can ask it questions and it will give you answers? Have you done that? Yeah, I have a little bit. A little bit. Define dimwits. A stupid or silly person. What is uh, a dimwit? Dimwit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. <laughs> so... <clears throat> We have a little side effects if we're going to do a radio show. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we're just getting started here. So we're, we're thinking about topics that we want to discuss. Mm-hmm. And we thought we'd record this 
brainstorming session uh, for the audience's benefit. Right, and, just to uh, let you all know exactly how things are going. Yeah, how I mean, we create these things. Right. So, you know, I did a little research on podcasting and, you know, creating content and format is, a, is an important um, aspect of it. And um, so we're starting at zero here. But mm. I thought since um, this place to start. Well, really, we started <laughs> in high school, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Thirty three years have passed, though. Uh, that, that was when Donald Trump was just this rich playboy. But Mark and I used to argue about politics until we were like red in the face. But we never lost our friendship. We always understood that we were friends, but we had different political views. And that's what kind of drove a lot in our friendship was our arguing. But it was done in such a manner that it, it was not personal. It was not insulting. Each one of us respected the other's view, even though if we disagreed with it. You know, you want to make America great again then that's what needs to be happening. I, you know, I found that um, talking to someone who has a different point of view than I have is, uh, is uh, stimulating mm. and, um, and challenging. And, you know, I need my own views challenged. That's right. And, um, and uh, it doesn't mean that I'm going to abandon them. It, sometimes it just helps me to, to create a stronger argument. Mm -hmm. But then there are other times when I start to look at things differently. Uh, the danger is that we get stuck in our ideology. I think we all are guilty of that. Yep. And so this is one of the reasons why uh, we should engage in debate uh, with people in a civil manner. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, rhetoric used to be taught in school. It's not taught so much anymore at all. No, no, it's not. Um, the closest they have, I uh, work in a school system, and the closest they have is speech and a debate club. But nowadays, they keep it light because so many people have their political affiliation tied up in their identity. And uh, that's, that's really unfortunate. Nowadays. Well, I'm going to have to argue with you on this point here because I really do lay the blame at the administration of the um, – you know, there's such a thing as a teacher's union, and this teacher's union is it votes Democratic every time. They rubber stamp. So, what you, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's great from your point of view. Yes, it is. What I'm saying is that there is a built in bias and uh, that comes with that. And one of the problems that I see is that people who become teachers, uh, one of their motivations is they want to influence young minds to think the way they do. And yes. So and when you have a disproportionate number of those people who have a liberal and democratic, you know, uh, agenda, then they're pushing the children towards the left. Um, well, go ahead. Interject. Well, I, I, what I was going to say is, you know, that's the typical right wing view of school teachers. Um, but it's been my personal experience working in the school system, but not being a school teacher, being a, a counselor for a mental health agency. Uh, and working in the school system, that um, there's actually quite a view, uh, quite a variety of views of uh, left and right. Frankly, with most coaches being on the right, and most oh, what um, do they do? They teach teachers math. on the left. The, the coaches so, teach math, and nobody likes math. So nobody, nobody likes math, and um, coaches can't teach math. That's right. They'll say that. Yeah, uh, they can coach, but that's about all. Yeah, but, when it when they can't add two plus two equals four, and so the kid—that's why we have a problem in this country with kids who don't understand math. I mean, there's so much 
there's so much going on here that we could talk about when it comes to the education system. I didn't realize until we stumbled onto it. You know but, what? As a matter of fact, we should put that as one of the subjects of our podcast. Man, we absolutely need to uh, make that an episode. Mm-hmm. So rather than get stuck on that, mm-hmm. um, let's just jot it down here. Mm-hmm. Education mm-hmm. on my piece of paper. I also have listed on our uh, brainstorming kind of a mind map. We have listed economic views. And of course, I listed Bitcoin. Now, that's not your strong suit. No, I don't know a whole lot about it. But when it comes to economic views, where do you stand and where do I stand in your view? Well, on economic views, now, 33 years ago, um, I called myself communist. And uh, it wasn't necessarily that I was in love with the Soviet Union, but I was in love with the view of what communism stood for. And uh, I still am. I still am in love with the view of what true communism is. Um, so I'm on the left. I believe in um, equality. Uh, I believe in democracy. And I believe in um, the distribution of wealth, the fair distribution of wealth. Uh, and I'm going to use this plug, and you guys will probably get sick of hearing me say this. But what actual socialism and communism is, they're actually two different things. It starts with socialism. It is not that the state owns everything. It is that the workers own the means of production. That's what makes it so dangerous to Western countries. That's what makes it so dangerous. Now, that's on my point. Uh, I think on Mark, and I probably ought to let him talk for himself, but uh, Mark, uh, uh, back in the 80s, he was a G. Gordon Liddy fan and a Richard Nixon fan. And a moral majority guy. And uh, <laughs> so that, as you can imagine, here I am, um, you know, uh, pro-communist and he's pro-Richard Nixon. So that was some interesting ideas. But Mark has always been on the right. And as far as I as far as I can tell. But, you know, I'm going to let him talk about that. I've talked about my views. So now it's his turn. Well, you know, you um, you stole the virtues of communism as you define it. Um, but, you know, in the real world, um, <laughs> You have situations like Cuba and Venezuela. That's right. Now, now how do you respond to that? That's not communism. It's not even socialism. That is state-controlled capitalism. That's why Cuba is poor. That's why Venezuela is falling apart. And that's why the Soviet Union fell. It's not communism. It is state-controlled capitalism. You say it's state-controlled. I say Mm -hmm. that if it was state-controlled, it would be better run. Um, so, so, you know, I don't know if it is state controlled. I mean, I understand your ideological point of view, Mm -hmm. but what I'm saying is that, um, one of the things that you, uh, mentioned as being what you support is democracy. Yes. And I don't line up with that viewpoint. Okay. Mm -hmm. The the founding fathers didn't line up with that viewpoint. As a matter of fact, that's probably another subject we could spend talking about is democracy versus, uh, republic. Absolutely. Because I definitely stand on the idea that there should be a constitutional, uh, law and that no one's above the law, and I agree with that uh, as well. What's that? I agree with that as well. Okay. Well, there is a distinction here between someone who favors democracy versus someone who says democracy is what leads to situations like Cuba and Venezuela. Oh no, no, no! Democracy does not lead to those situations. What what you have in places like Cuba and Venezuela, and again, 
I'm sorry, Mark, I don't mean to hog the mic here, but go right ahead. But but what you have in situations like that and in Russia in 1917 and China in 1949 is you have a system where wealth is unevenly distri- distributed as well as power. Power is unevenly distributed. Whenever you have a situation where the top one to two percent of the population controls over half to three quarters of the wealth, and the vast majority of the people um, are struggling just to meet their basic needs, food, water, clothing, shelter, then you have a revolution. Revolution is not democracy. If you look in all of those countries, with the exception of maybe Venezuela, there was a revolution where the vast majority of the people um, revolted against the powers that be. The problem that happened in all of those situations, again, with the exception of Venezuela, what you have is you have a massive revolution. And when you had a revolution, following revolutions is a period of anarchy because the powers have been taken away and no one knows what to do. Unfortunately, when there is no power, there are always people who want to take power. And so it gives rise to a strong man. It gives rise to a strong man, and it gives rise to a dictatorship. Right. It's not democracy that got the Soviets in power and the communist Chinese in power and Fidel Castro in power. It was a revolution. And it was also ignorance. And the reason it was ignorance. Well, there you go. Back to democracy again. That's what that's what ignorance is. I mean, when you mm. when you have democracy, you have mob rule, and you can say that you know this is the viewpoint mm. of our founding fathers. Okay, the okay, founding fathers going with this. Were, were, were when they were forming this country, the United States of America, they were very clear about the fact that they wanted to be a republic and not a democracy. And why? Because they looked at history and they saw that democracies don't last, mm. and they and they do fall because of uh, the mob goes to support the strong man. And that happens over and over again. So democracies have a short lifespan because as you said, it deteriorates into anarchy. People then want to have a, a dictatorship, uh, a strong man. This is what happens. Um, so a republic is designed to prevent that and to put laws in place so that we can um, maintain a civil society and it doesn't deteriorate. Um, democracy, if you look at the map, you can see that this, you know, throughout history, you had a period of time where there was the kingdom of this, the kingdom of that, Mm-hmm. Right. You can look right. all over the world. You had the kingdom mm-hmm. of Siam. You had the kingdom of this, the kingdom of that. Mm-hmm. And then as time went forward, then it became um, the republic of this and the republic of that. Right. So what happened was we went from having kingships to having republics. The, basically, the rule of law replaced the need for kings. OK. Mm-hmm. And then over the course of time, people of your ilk, you know, the, the, <laughs> the my ilk. I love it. Now he's getting mean and nasty. People of. <laughs> <laughs> people of Uriel started promoting this utopian idea of democracy. Mm-hmm. And what did that lead to? World War One, World War Two, And we pretty soon we have the Soviet Union calling themselves a democracy. Well, I think I want to point, make two points here. Pretty soon we have the Soviet Union calling themselves a democracy. Well, I think I want to point, make two points here. First of all, I think Mark and I's definition of the term democracy uh, is quite a bit different. I think if I look at it from Mark's point of view, I'm probably more of a republic, not a republican, God forbid, but I'm all, but I am for 
the rule of law. And Mark, I think, is what he's thinking about democracy is mob rule, chaos, um, you know, just uh, the majority wins everything. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a governmental system that ensures that every single person has an equal protection under the law and equal rights under the law and is equally represented under the law. And a true democracy is not a democracy that's bound by two parties, such as Republican or Democrat. Marx says he's a libertarian. I'm not really a Democrat. I am a socialist. I would be a democratic socialist if there existed a party that was a democratic socialist that had a chance of getting in to um, Congress. Um, so what I'm talking about is um, where uh, a, a system that's not bound by only two parties. Well, this is where we start to find common ground mm. because um, you know, this is the thing. When you confine people to two choices mm -hmm. and you say that you have to be blue or you have to be red, um, then what happens is uh, it's like a fish tank. Have you ever noticed that when you have a fish in a fish tank, there's like 50% of the fish are on one side of the tank and 50% yeah. are on the other? Right. It seems to always be evenly distributed. I think that's a rule of nature. Like if you know, you never see all the fish congregate in the corner, really, unless they're being fed. Right. Okay. But there, there's always that everybody wants to have their own space, right? So mm -hmm. the fish are the same way. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to uh, presenting uh, uh, choices within a democracy, if you can limit it to to red and blue, then basically everybody's going to have to line up. Um, and right. and then you've got a society that's divided, which, in my opinion, is undemocratic. I think democracy is to represent the people. Demo means people. And when you have a two-party system, it does not represent the people. Um, if I want to vote in a primary in a lot of states, and I'm not a registered Democrat or Republican, then I don't get to vote. I don't get to pick my candidates. Well, if it doesn't represent the people, then who does it represent? It represents the powerful. It represents the... Um, uh, it represents the people with the money. It represents the establishment and the established class. And there's one, I've talked about this, I don't think I've talked to Mark about this, but uh, my, my belief is, is that governments exist for only one reason. And that one reason is to stay in power. That's their sole purpose. And that includes our government, is to stay in power. And so if you keep a group of, uh, if you have a two-party system, and you have and you still have a majority of people that whose views don't fit into either one of those two parties. It doesn't really matter. The two party system stays in power. Um, it's 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 just like the Communist Party in China or uh, what was the Soviet Union. It's the same idea. Sure, you could have power and you could advance in government. But guess what? You had to join the Communist Party. And only about 10% of the people in either one of those countries actually have those type of views or are willing to join that party to advance themselves. Nowadays, if you want to be a socialist, there's no place for you. There's no place for you in the government. If you want to be a libertarian, there's no place for you. You have to be a socialist and call yourself a Democrat or be a libertarian and call yourself a Republican. But you're not. But you have to claim those party names. And when you do, you put yourself under the party structure, the Republican National Committee, the Democratic National Committee, 
who, as we all know from the emails in 2016, even though they were hacked by Russia, my opinion, um, they weed out the people who are anti-establishment. Yeah. Well, there's there's no argument from this side on that because mm -hmm. uh, you know I would I, I agree with you when I when it comes to this idea that you you know you're just going to limit it to two parties is not democracy, mm -hmm. and um, you know I I'm making the point that democracy pure democracy is uh, is not a good thing. You have to have rule of law. Yes. But as long as you have rule of law, then democracy on top of that. Uh, is, as long as you have the, the rule of law as the foundation, then democracy in pure, um, pluralism is the ideal. Okay, mm -hmm. so um, because I believe in liberty, and how else are you going to have liberty if you don't have democracy? The problem, and I agree with you, this idea of confining people to two parties is not democracy. It's, no. it's menu control, absolutely. And menu control, um, you know, this brings up the subject of the um, Hegelian dialectic. Mm. Now, I mentioned this to you the first time we talked. Um, Hegel, of course, was this German philosopher, mm -hmm. and he put the idea out that he, what he called thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. And he believed that this was the way history moved forward. And I think that Karl Marx and Engels and them really got a lot of their um, ideas for the Communist Manifesto from Hegel, because you see the word dialectic being used over and over again in the communist uh, um, writings by okay. Karl Marx and others. So I think he was drawing on Hegel for okay. his source. Um, so, but what does the word dialectic mean? It really goes back to this idea of menu control, of saying that <clears throat> we've got a problem, and then the people have a reaction, and then the government offers a solution. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this is a way to kind of uh, uh, move a population in the direction you want them to go. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like cattle. You know, you, um, you have somebody who cracks the whip, and the cattle, that's the problem, and the cattle react, and they go the other direction, and you get them into the corral. You get mm -hmm. them. You wanted them in the corral, but you weren't going to get them in the corral if you didn't crack the whip. You know, mm -hmm. so this was the kind of thing. So, in my view, there's been a movement towards socialism mm -hmm. um, by the powers that be. Yeah, and they financed communism and they financed some of these um, uh, despotic states throughout um, the 20th century in order to try to move the population towards socialism where they didn't want to go. The American they, people, they, they didn't do a very good job of it because, uh, you know, the idea of uh, socialism, you know, that name has been ruined for the American people thanks to uh, the Soviets' perversion of what it actually means. So, um, well, that might be uh, the case, but again, um, you know, if we look at it from the broad, if we look at it from a 50,000 feet up, you would have to say that the United States of America is a socialist country. It's much more socialist today than it's ever been. And I would agree with that. It's a mixed system. So the, the mixed system that we have currently is too socialist for my taste. And one of the reasons why is because I'm a libertarian. I believe in property rights. And I think that property rights has been eroded. And when you erode mm -hmm. property rights, you erode personal liberty. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now uh, we just mentioned abortion earlier, and and <laughs> yeah, uh, right. you know, that's a dividing subject. Mm. And you know, we both agreed. Well, let's not go there for for another day. Maybe. We'll save that for another day. Mm. I'm going to go there anyway, just for a second. And that mm. is the idea that, from a libertarian point of view, you have property rights. And that, you know, the question is, does that include your own body? If a woman is pregnant, can she terminate the pregnancy? You know, this is the question. Uh, the libertarians will say yes. Okay, now a conservative Republican with moral Christian values is going to say no because it's murder. 
And I'm not going to, we're not going to go into the whole moral question, but let's talk about property rights. If you take away, if you take away somebody's right to even build their own house on their own property, I mean, if you take away uh, inheritance rights, which is part of the communist manifesto, by the way, and you know, these things erode personal liberty and we've come a long way too far, in my opinion, down that path. The only thing that I would say about that, I'm not going to disagree with you. As far as the abortion thing goes, uh, Mark, you mentioned the key word there, a moral decision. And, um, you know, it's really funny how I find Republicans, they want the government to stay out of everything except for the most personal decision a human being can make. And uh, I just find that to be quite ironic and slightly hypocritical. Uh, I am personally, morally, uh, from my personal view, I'm against abortion. I, I I think that if given a choice, I would hate to see a woman choose to terminate her pregnancy regardless of the situation. But I, believe it or not, am against the government making that decision for her. How much personal of a decision can you make besides what to do with your unborn child? That is no place for government. And I also want to pick on Mark just a little bit. Um, We're talking about socialism here. And and I kind of fell into the trap uh, that uh, just about every person who talks about socialism falls into. And, um, you know, when Mark uses the term socialism, um, what I'm hearing him say is government overreach or uh, government ownership or uh, government control. And... um, Nobody likes that. Uh, I'm not talking about that kind of socialism. I'm talking about equality, and I'm talking about opportunity, and I'm talking about an overthrow of the existing class system. And that is not to be done by a government, because when a government does that, all they do is they substitute themselves for the class system that's just been overthrown. They put themselves at the top. That's not socialism. That's not what it is. And so um, folks need to, to remember that. Uh, well, just coming from my point of view. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, your point of view is that there is a class system. And, yes. you know, um, I can't argue with you about that. And mm-hmm. But what is interesting is that it's never talked about. Yeah. Um, you know, and you said you fell into a trap because you weren't bringing that up. And this is interesting because why is it that uh, class is well understood if you're if you live in London, England, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I guess the reason is because there were landowners and, and there are still lords and, and mm-hmm. they live in manors. And so the idea of the class system is is, is still very personal and real. And, and um, uh, it wasn't that long ago uh, when and even to this day, you have a class struggle in Europe and uh, because of their history. Sure here, we're kind of cut off from that here in the United States. We didn't have that so much. What we did have was plantation slave owners, which was a form of um, classism that, but nobody wants to talk about that, right? Yeah. So so could we argue then that these um, same, the same mentality of the slave owner has uh, reached the level of the Carnegie's and that created the libraries the, uh, the you know, they did all these great philanthropy things. And so we're going to support them and, and ignore the fact that, th- that they were really getting their wealth on the backs of labor that suffered. And um, well, Mark, are you are you coming over to my side? I'm not disagreeing. I'm I saying, mean, I believe in you. You're start, are you wearing a red shirt? Do I see a star on, on, on your shirt and a hair and a sickle? We've gotten to the point in this podcast where we're going to. <laughs> 
We we spent some time arguing, and now yeah. we're coming to some consensus. I think, and, we and are. I think if we, you look at history, you cannot deny the fact that we have a uh, elitists that rule the world, and they want to call that democracy, and it's not. And it's and, and you want to call it because there's the menu control. There's the right versus left, and they they can right. they completely uh, use this to control the people. You know, there is a um, a TED talk on YouTube, and I sure wish I could remember what it's called. Um, but it's it's about something very similar to what we're talking about, and uh, the, uh, the the speaker on the on the speech references to a, a political boss of the most notorious political machine in the late nineteenth century, and that's Boss Tweed. Boss Tweed. Boss Tweed in New York, oh. and Boss Tweed said the people can who can vote for whoever they want to, so long as I get to pick who they get to vote for. Right. And that's exactly what's happening in our country. Yeah, well, there was a banker, I think it was Rothschild, who said something very similar. He says, people can vote for whoever they want to as long as I can create the money. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. these things are connected. Mm-hmm. And so you've got uh, super capitalists, as I call them. Mm-hmm. And they're villains in my book, just like they're villains in your book. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, so, the, um, so we're neither one of us. Um, you're not a strict communist. I'm not a strict capitalist. We've, right. we've kind of... Uh, Evolved. Come to where we are now. We've evolved to where we are mm-hmm. now from the left and from the right, and we're right. finding common ground. At this point in our audio recording, we had some technical difficulties and the microphone got cut off. And um, so we had to start recording again and we repeated some of the same material. Um, but that will be included in the next episode. Uh, This episode is already far too long. We'd like to keep it shorter than this, but we're still experimenting. So thank you for bearing with us. And um, that concludes episode two, but please tune in to episode three, where we cover some of the same ground and we kind of go in a new direction. Once we, we build on the consensus that's been established in our discussion of political views, and we surprisingly move into a discussion about religion, which will, I think, be quite surprising to you. So please join us for episode three. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.